Hi, welcome to Only in Illinois, your weekly recap from Reboot Illinois. I'm Madeline Dubeck here with Matt Dietrich, and we are heading into the Memorial Day weekend, and the end of the traditional spring legislative deadline is midnight Tuesday, mm -hmm. and we still have no idea what we'll have no. and what we won't have by then after 11 months of budget impasse, uh, but we do see at play here pretty much nonstop at this point what's going on for public consumption on the outside what's going on for private consumption mm -hmm. on the inside we have clearly lots of political games going on publicly but privately we keep hearing there may be some yeah. small bits of progress mm -hmm. well uh, and just for background, yeah. you've had, of course, we've had this deadlock going on for a year now, right. and uh, at the center are Governor Bruce Rauner, House Speaker, Speaker Michael, Michael Madigan. Madigan, so they've been the focal points, but uh, what's happened in the last week is that uh, groups of uh, rank-and-file lawmakers right. have gotten together to work on reforms and revenues and cuts. Um, and they've been working kind of quietly behind the scenes. Uh, we had a report in Reboot, Illinois, that said uh, they had forwarded a plan that had an uh, income tax increase that would take us from 3.75% uh, to 4.85%, right. with some cuts and some extra, you know, that all this stuff. So that's all kind of going on behind the scenes. But then for public consumption, it's completely the opposite. We've had, look at uh, a week ago, you had this giant massive union rally outside the Capitol right. and you had uh, House Speaker Michael Madigan up on the stage, you know, pumping his fist and getting everybody fired up. A big show of force, right? Mm -hmm. He's showing his power to the governor and to the Republicans. So then this week uh, we have uh, yet, we had the third meeting of the governor and the four legislative leaders. Mm -hmm. That's the third one in this calendar year. So that's on Wednesday and it's a big deal, right? Um, because who knows, they could come out with some kind of budget deal. Right. So what does Mike Madigan say? After we've been hearing for all this time that these working groups are doing, you know, making quiet, steady progress, bipartisanship. Right. So. Here's what Mike Madigan had to say when he came out of the leaders meeting. What I told the governor today is that uh, he and his agents are not being persuasive in his working groups. That was the essence of the meeting. That was not exactly a very optimistic <laughs> thing to put forward as your first public pronouncement as this process is getting going and deadline moves. Now, a couple hours after he said that, he, Literally a couple hours. Yeah, he yes. goes onto the house goes to floor, the house floor. Mm -hmm. and he does this, and this is the classic thing that has driven Republicans crazy since 1983. Madigan, its deadline is looming. You got the biggest right. bill of the year. So what's he do? He introduces this thing. It's 500 pages long. He hands it to the Republicans to read less than two hours before it's called for a vote. And hands it to his own members right. of, of the and Democratic says, Caucus here, two hours. Yeah. Yes. Uh -huh. I didn't hear too many complaints from that side. No. During, but. The, during any arguments. But you had, so this enrages the Republicans once again. So 
And, and not exactly a definition of transparent government. No, and also not a, not exactly, uh, I would say, an olive branch. No. Not symbolic of any kind of bipartisan behind the scenes dealings or anything like that. And in fact, it got, uh, the debate was going on, the debate was already heated, and then the Democrats cut the debate off early and took the vote, and then things got even more heated. Take a look at this. This is uh, Representative Ron Sandak, and uh, he, had really expressed himself as he often does on the House floor. Um, and afterwards, uh, the Republicans were really angry that, number one, that, right. the vote, that the debate had been cut off. They didn't get to say their, their piece. And, but the other thing was they had asked for a um, verification, a verification the and they didn't get that. So here's what happened after that. Just give you a few seconds. So that is not typical of the way things go on the Illinois House. There's, you know, there's always well, rancor and a lot of yelling. It does get heated at this mm -hmm. time of the year, but right. not to that level. Rushing the, you right. know, rushing the front. <laughs> and uh, and and to their credit, uh, on Thursday, uh, the House did reconvene and and they went through the process, and I think everybody calmed down. Yeah, pretty rare thing that the speaker actually acknowledged a mistake in all of yeah. that, called the bill again and had another vote. Um, and a couple more people from the Democratic side came off the bill, but because they weren't they were, there. They weren't there, right. It, it still passed with 63 Democratic votes. Right. That's not enough to override a veto. Governor Rauner says he'll veto it. It may not even reach Governor Rauner because I don't know that the Senate and Senate President John Cullerton. Right. I don't know if they're as eager to poke a stick at Governor Rauner as Mike Madigan apparently was, but this that's, was- That's this, still to be determined, right. but um, if it were to pass the Senate, then the governor would have to- He's got a choice then. Make a decision about, do I veto the whole thing, which right. is what he's been saying he would do, uh, or he can line item veto, mm -hmm. right? Um, or he can sign the bill, but- then we need some tax increases. Right. Then to... you're $7 billion in the hole right. because there's no revenue built into this. And uh, so I guess politically there is some wisdom to what Speaker Madigan did, um, but realistically, I don't, I don't see much. So what is, the, what is the political wisdom of what Speaker Madigan did? Oh, he's a show of force. And, uh, and you know, uh, we had a post on, on RebootIllinois.com. There were um, I think eight Democrats, or seven who voted no, and one who voted present. It's right. eight, eight Democrats who didn't support this, and one of them was Jack Franks, from uh, representative from Marengo, and you know he said it was a brilliant political move because it forces the governor's hand. If, it's, if it gets to him, he's going to have to make a choice, and if if he vetoes the whole thing, then he vetoes school funding, and then schools aren't going to start on and time. And he wears the collar for schools not starting yes. on time, or mm -hmm. at least that's the perception. Mm -hmm. And a line item veto is very tricky because there's very little cutting you can do at this point. Everybody says, we're going to need some new revenue. We're going to need something coming in or else you're going to start hacking into, you know, the governor wants to give more money to schools. And in a line item veto, you can't just go in and add well, here's a new revenue source to make 
to make good on this hundreds of millions of dollars more that I want to put into, in, into education funding. So we, we're still having a lot of back and forth. You have to be hopeful though, because we did hear also from uh, Elaine Neckritz, who's one of the Democrats who voted against this bill. Mm -hmm. And she said in it that, you know, she voted against it also because she thought the working groups were making some progress. Yeah, it, and which we continued to hear after everybody calmed down that there seems to be some progress and that they're going to continue to meet, even mm -hmm. though um, there was another leader meeting, leadership meeting with the governor and not much was said after it. No. But, but they, it they, seems like they're continuing to try to privately closed behind the scenes well, he, to see what they can get okay, done. Okay, and here's what Jim Durkin had to say after that meeting positive meeting that the Democrat leaders now share our sense of urgency of bringing this impasse to a close uh, and uh, we are going to ramp up with our working groups uh, which, is a, which is a positive sign to me. Now in the past Durkin has come out of these meetings uh, or similar uh, situations and said you know this is hopeless. The governor has come off some of his positions and right. one person won't move and we all know who that is. Uh, he, he, he was not that way today, so you know maybe there has been some conciliation. Who knows? I don't know. I found plenty of fault with both sides, frankly. Yeah. Um, and and I think you know both these guys think they're winning right now. They think that the public is they've got the public behind them, and uh, when you have that kind of dynamic going on, you're just not going to get any progress. You think the governor thinks he's winning? Of course he does. Okay. He t I was in the room on Monday, he's, he's, and any chance he gets, he says, people come up to me all the time and say, keep on going. And then uh, also on Monday in his press conference in his office, he said, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of Democrats who are so strongly behind right. me, they want these reforms. Well, he doesn't name them generally. Uh, but you know, he thinks, clearly he thinks he's winning. And um, I think that Speaker Madigan thinks he's winning because he thinks he's defending the middle class. Well, I, I think we're all losing because we don't have a functioning government. Well, absolutely, we're all losing, and people need to start. This is a key weekend for people to keep that pressure on to get something done. Mm -hmm. um, because it's, if you look at what's happening publicly, it's pretty clear the Speaker does not want anything to happen right. until after the November election. And that's horrible. That for that to happen, uh, for them to attempt to do more of this emergency funding for the universities. Right. You've got social service agencies now. You've got more of them suing to get money. Right. Uh, you're going to spread that out for another six months? I don't know. See, I have a different. So I have a different view. I think that the governor realizes he's what has been losing in the court of public opinion, and that is why he keeps saying he's willing to compromise. There's also the political strategy of saying over and over again, you want to compromise. Um, but, you know, and Madigan thinks he's winning and he probably is winning. Well, I will say this. Now, on the issue of workers' comp, yeah. workers' compensation insurance right. is way too expensive in Illinois. Rates should have gone down when they, they reformed the system five years ago. They never have. Governor Rauner wants to put in place this system that only a handful of other states have. Uh, I don't think we need to go to the system that only, what, four states have in order to get our insurance rates down. Mm -hmm. I think uh, you probably need to put some pressure on the insurance companies. Sure. You, you know, it should be clear to him by now that he's not going to get everything he wants there. 
and that he could probably negotiate a milder form of workers' comp that isn't so heavily weighed toward the employers. Right. You don't need to give away the shop to the injured employees well, like we used to that's what he's doing. Do. It's classic negotiation. But you he, ask for way more than you think you're actually going to get in the end. But you've got to move off of it sometime. I haven't seen any willingness to do that. And every time he speaks, you get a different combination of, uh, okay, we need term limits, we need this, we need that, we need... You know, what? I don't have any sense from him of... What he really wants. Yeah. And I know you don't go he, into a, you don't go into a negotiation saying, okay, you know, uh, you're selling your car. I'm willing to pay five thousand, even though you're asking ten thousand, or what? I'm willing to go up. You know, you don't tip your hand right away. But look, after a year, when you're the governor and you're, the state is going the way it is, I think you're doing some permanent damage. And I and I do think that he came in with a totally different view of what his mandate was than what it really was. I think sure. I think voters let him wanted him to come in and bring some order, but what he's brought is disorder. And I think workers' comp is one example where he, he's gone for this uh, consideration model. And it should have been clear to him a long time ago, he's not going to get that. Well, why don't you bring people together and get something worked out, and then you can be the hero there. It doesn't have to be perfect to be a victory. I hear you. Now, I'm not, but I also I'm, think... I'm not excusing Madigan because... You know, right. it's not like, why, why did our unemployment rate stay among the worst in the nation for so long when everybody else was recovering? Is it because everything we did is right? You know, Obviously come on, not. something's got to change. What's the definition of insanity? Yes, do it over and over and over right. again. So it would not, but why are we not, why are we not re-examining workers' compensation? My theory is both sides, they want to hang on to this thing as a bargaining chip and they're going to do it till the bitter end. Absolutely. Even though we know and it's... hanging on to everything until the bitter end as mm -hmm. a bargaining chip, and that's why we're still here. But um, I think actually the Madigan public display with the $7.2 billion out-of-whack budget might actually... One theory is that, that it could backfire because, um, you know, this is the most unbalanced budget ever. Yeah. And I think it kind of turned around the PR here and made put it back in the, on the side of the Republicans and the governor because, you know, there's no way to fund this. We have eight Democrats saying, I can't support that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And, and I think as a, as a demonstration, as a show of political force, okay, I'll give him that. Right. But, I mean, it, it will. But it also shows you the brute power and undemocratic way things are done in Springfield. Mm, to an extent. <laughs> to an extent. We could go on and on on this, but uh, there was a press release from the Illinois Republican Party uh, yeah, uh, the afternoon that they voted on this thing, and it right. said the only way we could fund this is if Illinois had a 5.5% income tax. Right. And my thinking on that is, well, we just had working groups that forwarded a 4.85% income tax. Not, it's not much that more. much difference. We we were paying 5% not that long ago. Yeah. To me, that is not a symbol of the apocalypse. That's a symbol that, you know, even as bad as things look, uh, there's plenty of room to, to get this right and to get a functioning government going again. Well, <clears throat> here's the problem. You need to be the Speaker of the House, mm -hmm. I need to be the Governor, or you can be the Governor and I'll be the Speaker of the House. You and I could have settled this 11 months ago. That's right. 
That's because I'm totally ego-free. <laughs> That's true. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Matt's ego-free. Uh, I don't know what I am, but that's it for this week's edition. We'll see you on the next edition of Only in Illinois. <laughs>